The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 121 for September 24th night. <laughs> September 24th, 2007. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I'm Dave Hamilton. I'm here with John Braun. Hi, John. How are you? Are, are you going back in time? <laughs> No, it it's just it's a, when I'm whenever I say that date, and this happened a couple of times when I wrote it today. I I'm used to writing it with the the year of my birth, not uh, not the current year, because there's only one day a year when I would do that. So. Oh, the year of your birth, yeah. And I, I think today is, is that's right. Yeah, today today is my uh, my birthday. Oh. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all day, every day. No, not every day. Uh. So we have uh, we have all kinds of stuff to talk about. We've got a bunch of questions from you folks about things ranging from uh, what remote desktop to office alternatives to bookmarks syncing and uh, disappearing uh, eyesights, all kinds of stuff uh, that hopefully we'll get to. I also wanted to talk about the uh, iPod Nano and Classic, which we promised you we'd we'd discuss in uh, in this week's show. And I think John, you have. Uh, you have a couple of things that, uh, well, we've got a couple of things that are travel related that we'll talk about next week when, of course, we're traveling at, at Portable Media Expo. But you came up on, on something that uh, you just wanted to rant uh, about. Yeah, so, so I went to this uh, Embedded Systems Conference. Very yeah. nice up in Boston. Ultra convenient. Could take the Metro North to the Amtrak. Literally walked across the street to my hotel. The, 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 the show was in there. Everything was great. But there were two things that got me about just my travels, although, you know, I love the train. I mean, it's, it was just a very pleasant experience, except for two things that got me. So one, on the way back, I got on at the uh, uh, back bay station, which is the second one. So sometimes you may have to go further back to get a car. And so I went in the quiet car. Now, note, note the name of the car. You, did you catch the quiet part? You mentioned that it was the quiet car, John. Right. <laughs> the one in the back. And they even announced this and they go through and tell you this. And, and one thing you're not supposed to do, well, one thing you're supposed to do is keep your mouth shut. Well, That's right. Because no, it's, it's, uh, it's the quiet, quiet car. car. Right. No loud conversations and no cell phones. During my travels, uh, you know, it was a couple hour ride. Not one, but two people were yakking on their cell phones. What part of don't use your phone? They were talking quietly, but still. <laughs> Can you just not talk for a while? It was just terrible. I, I gave him a nasty look. I, I didn't speak up, though. Because it, you know why you didn't speak up, John? Because it was the quiet car. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> and then the second thing I noticed, which was just, you know, thing that I've seen in like trains and elevators and stuff like this. And I saw so many people violating this. Now, I don't know. I, th I think I was brought up right. And I think you were brought up right, too. But when you're exiting a thing like an elevator or a train, usually most civilized people, the way to do it is you wait for the people to get out first. So then there's more room for you to get in. And I no, saw no, 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 no. What you do is you wait. And when that <laughs> elevator door just begins to crack open, you weasel every part of your body that you possibly can in between those two doors so that you can just we right in. Yeah. But I was just watching this in amazement. It's like, you know, things would go a whole lot smoother if you just waited for all the people to get out first. It wasn't so it was it was one time on the train at one station where I saw this and it was like a battle because everybody was getting all confused because the people that wanted to get out couldn't because the people were trying to come in. Folks, Anyways, I uh, have no idea how we're going to limit John's rants 
while when we're actually traveling next weekend. I mean, it's one thing to do a show after John's had a couple of days to cool off, but we're going to be mid-travel. We're both going to have to get on at least two, if not three airplanes on Thursday to get out to uh, to PME. And then, you know, once you're there, of course, there's there's nothing to do but rant anyway, oh. uh, other than the show. You know, there's just not a whole lot in Ontario. Uh, so... Uh, so anyway, we may but, have a whole ranch show because uh, <laughs> train. I, I mean, this was the train, which is a relatively pleasant way of traveling. I tried, I tried. but the airplane. Oh, don't get me started, man. It's I just think, that I, I think we already got I, you started. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, who, who, uh, who, uh, who, what, where? Oh, you. That's right. The Mac Geek Cab. Well, no, I think you were going to talk about you got some. Uh, yeah. I don't know if there were necessarily a present, but uh, I guess you were going to some new toys. That's right. Give us your view on some uh, some new Apple toys. Yeah. So I uh, I did. I have uh, one of the new Nanos, the the eight gig Nano with video now. Right. The the three G Nano, or as as some people call, what were you calling it before, John? The uh, I think people were calling it the Nano Fatty. That's right. I don't know, Fatty. P H A T or just yeah. But it's funny. I mean, yeah, it's looked like someone just took the others one and kind of kind of squished it down and made it a little wider, which it, yeah makes a nice. I think so. I have I have that, and then the new classic, uh, the the 160 gig version of the classic, uh, so, which is great. So 160, wow. oh yeah, bigger than the drive in my MacBook Pro, believe it or not. So, uh, so a couple of things. I, uh, I'll talk separately about the devices, and then and then talk about the uh, the, the similarities because they're they they all support the they they both support the new. Uh, software in them which which really is is something special so you take the two of these and put them next to each other and it really does look like me and mini me especially if they're the same color right because it it it's you know if you're looking at them from the front it it is it's just one is a you know a, a smaller version of the other when you turn them on their side of course is when it gets gets radically different and uh and then the nano is just it's so thin uh it it it's you know what is it um maybe you know three credit cards thick i guess you know it's just thick enough to to fit a headphone jack on the bottom and that's it uh is it thinner than the the prior way thinner i think well yeah no i yeah it is it's definitely thinner than the prior one yeah yeah and it it is you know it's got video in it obviously you can you can watch movies uh it is the if i had to buy ipods for my kids or if i was buying a new car and thought, well, I could put the DVD player in it. I wouldn't. I'd just spend, you know, 150 or, or 200 bucks a piece if you want the four or the eight gig version uh, on these nanos and just give them to the kids. They're, you know, really durable because, first of all, they're, you know, anodized aluminum on the front now. It's not plastic. And then the back, of course, is the, you know, the stainless. And uh, they're really rugged. There's no drive in them. So you can drop it and, you know, probably be relatively safe. We certainly beat on this one and it's still chugging along no problem and it's perfect for their little hands they can sit there and look at it, it it's great i i really i'm blown away by this new uh by this new nano it, now let me ask you this. yeah go ahead now actually this is my experience so i have a 1g nano okay but the, i guess my only reflection and, and i want to get your feedback on this is that the control um versus uh, so i have one of the 3g ones which i think is you know a nice full-size uh, scroll area there, um, but but did you feel it was? Uh, I mean, the Nano almost bordered it on being a little harder to use. The Nano One G because the control was a little smaller than than on the classic or you know the older ones. Uh, I mean, were you happy with the you know the the control? 
Yeah, I never had a problem with with uh, you know I had, I use the Nano One G and then the Nano Two G um, and then now I've got this one. But uh, but yeah, I I never had a problem with the control on any of them. That said, th- this being wider, it certainly is easier for me anyway to hold and and control. I still have to kind of it it is you know for an adult's hands. I mean, your hand you, you can you can palm the thing. Uh, it, so you, you know you've got to kind of balance if you're going to do it in one hand you've got to balance it on your fingers and then and then just you know use the the thumb wheel with that, your opposable thumb because we're human and that's what we have uh uh-huh. at least i do you, you still have your opposable thumbs right you didn't sell those for science john uh last i checked yeah they're okay. they're, they're working good. good uh so yeah no i i i never had a problem with the previous ones i do find this one easier to to navigate the the big screen helps too uh it, you know i mean this screen is perfectly fine to watch a movie on it's really bright uh very very crisp and uh you know just a, a it, it the weight is right it it feels right in your hand and the kids both the kids now of course my kids are, are five and seven uh and they as soon as they had it in their hand, they were just, that was it. They, was, they were comfortable, totally good to go, and, and very comfortable for them to hold in the car. It doesn't heat up. You know, there's no drive in it or anything. And uh, they, they, they both really, you know, really took to it. They were fighting nice. over it. So I had to Now, this, is, is the screen on this, it looks bigger. Oh, it's way bigger. Yeah, I mean, it's not, as, not as big as the classic, right? But, but right. It's, it's definitely, uh, you know, certainly big enough for for anyone to watch a movie on it. You wouldn't want to have four people watching a movie on it, but, but as far as one mm-hmm. person, no problem at all. You know, you picture slideshows, movies, the, the whole nine yards. So, uh, it, like I said, perfect for, perfect for the kids, but not, not the wrong option, certainly for anyone. And it's still thin enough and, and, and narrow enough to fit into that little watch pocket in, uh, in any pair of uh, jeans that I had. So it sits snugly right in there tucks right away good to go so that's the uh that's the nano now the classic uh i i you know it's it's it looks basically the same as the uh as the the old you know the old one other than the fact that the front now is the the same you know anodized aluminum um that they've got obviously on the nano and uh and the and the back is stainless so it's not plastic on the front anymore the screen is really bright and really sharp. Uh, it looks amazing. You know, when it first powered up, and I've been using a 5G iPod. When, the, when this classic first powered up, I was blown away. I was like, wow. It, you know, they really, really made the screen nice and sharp. Now, with both of these, when I plugged it in to the computer for the first time, it said, now iTunes said this, optimizing for OS X. And it went through a little thing and then rebooted the iPod and brought it back up to, to life. So I'm not sure if it was changing the the format of the drive or what it was doing there, but but it it did something out of the box. Uh, iTunes did something to it that that optimized it for OS X. Yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah, I think it uh, I think it formats it as what FAT32 or something if it's on a PC, and I think yeah. Uh, yeah so maybe there was a the, now I've noticed they did the yin and yang thing here is that they have black and white. That's right. I think the black one better. I yeah, and I I've know. got. The, I've got the black ones of both here, the the nano and the and the classic. Uh, now I was able to take my old case from uh, from my old classic and the new one fit, or from my old five G iPod, and uh, and put the classic in it, and it fits perfectly. So you know, if you were a a a five G iPod user and you you want to upgrade, my experience has been bam, it just works no problem. 
Whereas the accessory makers for the Nano are shaking their fists at Apple yet again. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they got to respect that, though. You know, it's not like <laughs> not not like they didn't have a nice long run with the old ones. So, right. uh, yeah. So uh, the 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 one fu- functionally, uh, you know, they they both work the same. I, I am going to talk about one one strange thing I found with the uh, with the classic. But first, let's talk about the OS. Right. It it's basically your same iPod navigation. If you if you've used an iPod before, you can sit down and use this again. It you know the the, the menu structure is basically the same. Uh, the you know the navigation through everything is basically the same. But now when you're in the menus, you have a split screen view. Have you seen pictures of this, John, or have you used it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing it right now. So on the on the right side, it's like cover art or something like that. Yeah, it, it's really cool. You, you know, when you're on music. Uh, you know, let's say you're at the top level of the iPod and music's there. When you're on music, you see uh, kind of a, you know, a Ken Burns, well, not Ken Burns, but you, you see your, your cover art kind of, you know, floating around and it moves from one to the other and it's a very slow thing. So it's not overly distracting, but it's right there. You scroll down to videos and it fades and starts grabbing the cover art from or the first screen of your videos that are in there. And, uh, you know, the same with your photos, you move to photos and bam, you start seeing your photos roll through. So you're constantly reminded of your collection. There's no way to get to what you're seeing, which which was actually the first thing I wanted to do, because it started going through music. And I saw uh, Weather Report's 830 album cover come along and I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to listen to that. And I was like, "Uh, there's no real way to get there. It's not a touch screen and couldn't get me there, but certainly entices you to go and and reminds you of of what you have, because you you could have it like on the iPod classic and, you know, I've got. What over a hundred gigs worth of songs on here? That, that certainly stuff I haven't listened to in a while, and this was kind of a nice refresher. As far as uh, navigating through, you know, it it all works the same. Some of the things that are cool, if you go to settings, or if you go to I'm sorry, if you go to extras, and uh, and you start, uh, you know, floating over like clocks. It shows you the clock with the with the time and the second hand ticking. It, it you know an analog clock with the date and the right side. Float over the calendar. It shows you the same thing. Um, you, you know, float over notes and alarms. It'll start showing you little icons for those. If you float over settings, it actually tells you right there on the front what the name of the iPod is and how much space is used. If you dig in deeper and go to about the iPod, you can actually find out. Uh, quite a bit about what's used a color you know obviously the display is color and just like in itunes it shows you how much is used for audio how much is used for video how much for photos how much for other how much for games etc and then you navigate through and it'll tell you you've got you know x number of songs x number of this x number of that and then of course your serial number and all that good stuff so the the they it's like they took well it's, it's not like i'm sure they did take the old ipod interface and basically brought it to the next level. So it, it really does make the whole experience a whole lot smoother because you're able to see everything and it tries to just show you what, what it is you're going for. Like for EQ, you don't have to go into EQ to find out what your EQ setting is. When you, when you scroll over it, the right pane changes and shows you what it's set to. If you want to change it, then you click and go in, but you don't have to go in just to find out that EQ is off. So that's uh, very, very handy. Cool. Now, uh, now, for what I recall, now both of these, if it's time to talk about this, mm-hmm. both of these support video, I believe. Yeah, you know, we actually and we talked qu- about that. In we the got past. a question about this. Yeah. Ah, excellent. Yeah. So, uh, well, we'll actually let uh, we'll let Robert go ahead and uh, and and ask his question because it's it's relevant, I think. 
GG. Robert Hayes over here. Question. I heard that the nano video output is not quite the same or is crippled in, when compared to the old fifth generation iPod video. Uh, the reason I'm asking you this question is because I'm debating as to whether or not I should buy the new Nano Fatty and uh, get rid of my old 30 gig video. Um, but I would like to be able to connect it to my DLO home dock, which I have connected to my television. Uh, and I'd like to be able to, uh, you know, use the uh, menu navigation system that the DLO offers. If you have any insight to the matter, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So uh, when I got this comment, I didn't have any insight into the matter. And so I promptly took the iPods and waltzed over to the house, plugged them both into the DLO home dock, and I got sound, but I got no video. And then I thought, oh, aha, I just need to go to, you know, videos, uh, settings, yeah, yeah. you know, TV out. Yeah, yeah, you must have, the menu must have, it must have been disabled. That's right. And so I went in and I found the setting and TV out is off and I click the button and it's still off and I click the button again and hmm, it's still off. So I scrolled down to like full screen or captions to see if I could, you know, maybe the button wasn't working and I hit the button and full screen changes. No problem. I can change it from NTSC to PAL. I can change everything except whether or not the silly thing is on. Oh, bad cable? Mm, bad connection? No. I found uh an article at uh, Apple's support site. And then I found some related reading. And uh, as it turns out, the only devices that will support, that will enable video out to be turned on, have an Apple chip on the other side. So it's a dock connector device now, no more AV connector, I don't think, or maybe it is, and maybe there's a, a chip in the AV connector too. But uh, I, I believe you've got to use the dock connector and uh, you, you, you plug in the, uh, the, the, the dock connector and then that tells the iPod, yeah, it's okay. You can send me your video out. So anybody with a home dock, anybody with one of those visors that they used on airplanes or anything, you're out of luck right now. Uh, that may change. Now, the, the, the iPod dock and the AV cable may allow you to kind of create a hokey pokey situation where you plug one into the other and you've got some interim device, but, uh, but it will not work. At least in my experience, it, it, it certainly did not work plugging it into uh, a previous, you know, previously purchased DLO home dock. So not good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I smell a lawsuit. I think. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. You never know how, how upset people are going to get. Okay. Now, so, I think yeah. here I found, you know, I did a little research on this too. And apparently okay. this authentication chip, apparently if you are a Apple licensed third-party developer, which I assume yeah. means paying some dough, yeah. you can get one of these chips. Okay. That makes sense. Or you can, you can license or purchase whatever protocol it is from Apple so sure. that your device will work. But yeah, I got to, that's all the previously purchased nice. stuff is out of luck. Yeah. So you can't just use a cable. It has to talk to a dock or, or yeah, I think I saw, yeah, they have a special kit now. Yeah. Like a 50 or $60 kit. Where, yeah. uh, oh, that's, so that sounds like about the only downer. 
It, it, well, it yeah, it is. If it's, you're using it for video, I uh, well, I don't have a video. Video connected to an external device. Both will play video right, right, right. just fine on the built-in screen. So the, oh, uh, sure, but that's that's. But you know, I've different. even thought that from the beginning is that to me, watching video on a uh, you know, and especially back when you know Apple started offering video through iTunes, and everybody's like, oh, you know, the the whole thing is playing video on on the iPod, and I'm like, oh, what a horrible experience. I mean, actually, you know, at what? least to me. You know what, man? I love the video on the iPod uh, when I'm on an airplane. It, it It's much better. Obviously, it's smaller than my MacBook Pro, right? I mean, obviously. But the MacBook Pro takes up the entire tray table, right? If I'm going to eat something, most of the time on an airplane, you, you, you folks have heard me say this before. Most of the time on a plane, I read when, I, when I'm, you know, that's just what I do. Except when I'm eating. And when I'm eating... Well, reading doesn't really work because the, the plate takes up the whole tray and there's no real room for a book. So that's when I watch TV. And what I do is I have uh, I have this little spec products case that's got a, a flip out uh, kind of like an easel uh, stand. So the, the iPod will just sit right there. I plug my headphones in. I can put it on the corner of the tray table. It's tiny. It fits there. Put my headphones in and it's totally fine. Uh, it's a great way to watch. I've watched movies on it. I've even watched letterbox movies on it and it's fine. You, you get totally into it. No, pr- it's obviously not that big cinematic experience, but it really does work fine. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, my usual travel companion, even on this trip here is the PowerBook 12 inch, which to me is the right. perfect, perfect travel size. Even the 13 inch, I think is starting to get a, <laughs> yeah, a little too large, but the 12, inch, oh, I'm hoping, you know, there's a whole bunch of us. I mean, even at the show, you know, I was very interested. The, the show I went to is that yeah. there was a pretty good number of people with Macs. I think mostly newer Macs because now you don't have to be a Windows developer to do the uh, embedded thing. You can right. get a Mac, do boot camp and, and all that fun stuff. Um, so but I noticed a good amount. And also some of the courses, I was actually running the compiler because there were a lot of C courses that really dug into the, the guts of C for, you know. Embedded people see is the way to go. Anyways, you were saying. I was. Well, okay. So I know you've always appreciated the, the Apple telling a story with, with the box as you open the iPod. And the classic really, really epitomizes this. It's a, it's a cardboard. Uh, it's a, actually a, a, a cardboard box with uh, a foam insert inside the front cover. So you open up the box and just like the iPhone, uh, there's a foam insert inside the top of the cover so that the iPod is right there. You don't need to peel an additional piece of foam off. As soon as you pull the cover off, bam, there's the iPod. And you take the iPod out, and then there's the instructions. And with the classic, there's the iPod headphones, USB cable, the dock adapter, but no dock. And then, of course, two Apple stickers and, and the little uh, you know informational thing in there. The best part about it all, and I know Apple has to spend time with this because We've all seen it from other vendors. You get a new toy, you open the box, you rip all the stuff out, and you're like, okay, I've got the toy. There's all this other stuff I don't need. I want to put it back in the box. And most of the time, the answer is no way. The box, you can't cram this stuff back into the box. Well, with this, you could put it all back and make it look just like it came out of the box, you know, just like it, it hadn't been opened yet. Really, really simple to get all the stuff back in the box. And I'm certain that they've been through that. So it's... uh. It's a wonderful huh. thing. So the, the one issue that I, that I have that seems really, really strange about this, uh, this iPod Classic, and I asked Apple about it when I had my briefing with them. They didn't know anything about it, but they also haven't gotten back to me with whether or not it should be happening. So the, the verdict is the, the, the jury's still out. 
when running a, a, a slideshow of pictures, I got a, you know, album of hundred pictures. I've got them all synced, you know, to the, the iPod. I start running the, the slideshow and my 5g de- definitely does not do this. The, I have it set on defaults, you know, the, there's a transition and there's a three second pause and then it loads the next one. The hard drive, it loads the picture, the drive spins down. There's like a, you know, second and a half pause. The drive spins up again, loads the next picture, drive spins down, ad nauseum all the way through. That drive is constantly up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. I don't know if it's this particular unit, which is certainly possible, or if it's consistent across all of the, uh, the iPod classics, or at least all the iPod classics with 160 gig drives. I don't know. But my 5G iPod yeah. definitely didn't do it. And it's a weird behavior. It's really, really strange to hear the thing clicking and clacking as, uh, as it's going through these pictures. Yeah, I think that uh, sounds like a bug. Mm. But hey, I'm sure one or two of our listeners must have gotten one of these as yeah. well. So, uh, I'd love to hear okay. uh, one way or the other. So Now, you know the, the packaging thing I noticed this also is that you recently got... Um, uh, iLife and iWork, probably. Yes, yeah. of course you did. Yeah. We're talking about it. But uh, I noticed the packaging on that was also very nice. The, the the way they designed the thing that held the CD in there, but also how they separated the thing that held the media from where the instructions were stored. And it was cool. They had like a little yeah. icon that looked kind of like a book or something. And it kind of hinted, hey, open this to get to, at the documentation. Right. But you didn't really need to. You could just open up the package, pull the disc out, and install it. And actually, I was playing with a lot of the uh, iLife stuff uh, while I was traveling there. I like the new iPhoto. It's, uh, Oh yeah. That uh, scrub, uh, feature is, is really, really nice. The events and the scrub back and forth uh, yep. where you wrap, go through things. That is awesome. And it, so anyways, okay. That's fast enough that that's fast enough in the new iPhoto on your, uh, G4 PowerBook. Oh yeah. No, awesome. I don't know what they're doing. They must cash something, but, that's uh, awesome. yeah, the only bad news is that it, it when it came up, the, it said, uh, sorry, your machine's too wimpy. We're not going to put iMovie on here. Right. Sorry, right. Because, yeah, I guess it doesn't work on a G4. You need at least a G5 or a certain clock speed, which G4 PowerBook doesn't have. Hmm. All right. Well, talk, while talking about Apple apps, let's, uh, let, let's talk about Peter's issue here because uh, this is an interesting one. Hi, John and Dave. This is Peter calling from the Netherlands. I've got a question for you regarding the bookmark page uh, within Safari. Uh, I've been having a little bit of trouble uh, lately. Well, maybe trouble is not really good good choice of words here, but um, after now and then when I check my uh, bookmarks collection tab, uh, folders appear uh, which are named bookmarks bar and bookmarks menu, which are basically a copy of my original bookmarks bar and bookmarks menu. Um, They just appear, they don't contain any uh, bookmarks. Um, but I have to manually delete them every time because you think they don't have any use. You know uh, any cause of this and maybe a solution? Thank you. And by the way, I love. All right. Uh, sorry to cut you off there. I I just always want to make sure we don't we don't play the email address though. We certainly appreciate getting it. Uh, it helps as we coordinate things. Uh, any thoughts on this, John? I mean, those are valid entries when you, as part of your total, it sounds like they're in the wrong place. Is that, is that what you took away from that? Well, he already has them there, right? He's got the, the, the populated bookmarks bar and bookmarks uh, menu folders. So it looks like they're being duplicated for some reason or a second one is being added. Uh, I guess they're not being duplicated, but he wasn't certain about that. So um, 
Yeah, I'm not I, I'm not sure. You know, my my thought was something's got to be adding this. So perhaps he's using sync services to sync his bookmarks with something via dot Mac or, uh, you know, something else. Maybe he's using some third party utility that, that does that. If that's the case, reset your bookmarks and tell it, look, overwrite either overwrite from dot Mac or whatever the, the alternate source is or take the bookmarks that are on my Mac as gospel and go and wipe out everything else with them. It just looks like there's it's it. It really kind of kind of uh, stinks of a, a sync services glitch because uh, I've certainly seen this where you know it's just you're fighting a battle and it's over and over again and, and you just say okay look there's something that's out of whack let's blow it away and we're good to go so that that yeah. would be my thought and I've had that too where yeah I've had for whatever reason like one time I had a problem where it wasn't syncing bookmarks and I knew it was supposed to um. And so, yeah, I just said reset the, uh, you know, the sync information. Now, right. uh, another thing you may want to, now this is, you know, uh, you know, danger warning Will Robinson on this. You could look at the files directly that contain this information. There are two places to look. So one is your home directory slash library slash Safari. And I believe uh, we, we were talking about this before, Dave. I right. think it's a bookmarks.plist. Is Correct. That it? Correct. Bookmarks with a so capital B. Yeah. So that's the raw, you may just want to look at that file and make sure it's, you know, not in some weird state or has weird permissions or some, something like that. But you can actually open that. When you double click on it, it opens the, uh, you know, property list editor. Uh, and then another place you could look is that if you also look in your home directory slash library slash application support slash sync service slash backup data slash Safari. <laughs> Have that memorized, John? Yeah, we'll, uh, I'll type that out for you guys. But uh and anyways, that's where the sync data is stored. And you can actually manually examine that and see what the heck that looks like. And, you know, again, I'm saying danger, danger. I mean, editing these files could make matters worse. I, I'd be, but if you're curious or just want to see what's in them, that's where that information is. But, but I think I'm with you, Dave, is that, you know, resetting the, uh, the dot Mac is, uh, is, is the best approach because that's worked for me and it sounds like it's worked for you. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, all right. We'll, uh, We'll revisit a topic here. Gavin writes in, I have a question regarding remotely accessing my Mac. I'm a recent switcher and I work, for, I work and <laughs> I'm a recent switcher and for my work, I rely heavily on windows remote desktop to connect to other windows devices. At the moment, if I wish to access my Mac remotely, I have enabled Apple remote desktop and system preferences slash sharing and use tight VNC on my windows laptop. As so far as if I have found that this works best. I wondered if there was a better solution to access my Mac from a Windows machine. I believe that there is a piece of software called Apple Remote Desktop 3, but as far as I can see, the client does not work on a Windows PC. I apologize if you had had this question many times. I'm just looking for a way to enhance my experience even further. All right. Uh, so, yes, we have talked about it before, John, and I think you did the research. It was show number... Was it 50, believe, uh, number 56. 56. And we talked about all sorts of remote access uh options here, including remote desktop, VNC, which, uh, you know, underneath the covers, actually the Apple remote desktop package, and you don't even need to purchase it. You can enable it just on like any Mac. Yep. Yep. And then, uh, use a VNC client and VNC is a, a standard. The, the only caveat sometimes you have to, uh, you may have to actually manually enable or allow that port through the firewall, uh, for things to work right. right. But, uh, it sounds like he's doing that. So the other options, I think you and I came to the conclusion, we looked at a few different things. I mean, of course, for Mac-only environments, I think, uh, you know, Apple Remote Desktop is, is the way to go. I mean, it just... Oh, it's uh, the bee's knees. Yeah. 
<laughs> but I think uh, second place, I, I think we agree that Timbuktu is a nice cross-platform uh, uh, solution for doing all sorts of things like remote access, remote admin. It's the only cross-platform one I'll use. Well, cross-platform meaning fully cross-platform. Timbuktu will let you remote control a Windows machine and from a Windows machine, remote control a Mac machine. It is client and host cross-platform. So, you know, a Apple Remote Desktop is client and host on the Mac, but uh, the Windows machines can connect to it, right, from VNC, like you said, but App ARD won't let you connect to a Windows machine. To do that, you've got to use uh, Windows uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, AR, uh, no, our, what are they? What, remote desktop for Windows, right? That's why Microsoft's remote desktop. Uh, and again, there's a client for that for the Mac, remote desktop for Mac that lets you connect to Windows, but it doesn't act as the host. So yeah, I would agree. Timbuktu, I would almost venture to say it's the only true cross-platform solution, but there is one other, right, John? Yeah. Yeah. It's called PC Anywhere. And, and every time <laughs> I, I even think about it, I'm reminded of that phrase from the movie I can't remember. Do you like suffering, sir? Because it's just, <laughs> it, it, it really, it, it just doesn't hold up. It, it, it was pretty terrible client. Uh, the, Sorry, client yes. the client actually isn't bad if you have to use it. The host thing was a total disaster. I well, I believe that was a Java deal right oh, yeah 100 percent java i mean which probably so yeah and my experience in general i mean it's gotten a lot better but but typically server apps are java is great for server apps where you don't have to oh, look yeah. at anything but for client apps and not I've, so good. I've seen a lot of train wrecks as far as <laughs> things that don't work quite right even though in theory it's right once run anywhere so says son uh-huh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Good luck. So again, for for backend server stuff, I think Java is wonderful, but but for something that people have to use. Yeah. And that their UI design just was was kind of wacky too. So oh, it was terrible. Sorry guys. Was... Now, how about now? I don't even know if this is really an option. I mean, X11. Eh, that's kind of dated, but. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. I would. Well, I mean, you, you can. There's an X11. Environment, yeah, let's. Yeah. But you're not going to get your Mac desktop or your Windows desktop that way. Not, so now it's just like remote viewing. But the, yeah. that's that's very old school. I yeah. mean, it's still actually. I still. Yeah, I was using it on my little trip here. When I got bored, I would be in you know in a, a you know session that was kind of boring, and so I'd, I'd uh, fire up Ethereal, and uh, that has an X11 interface. So, and you know, just just see what was going on as far as wireless traffic in the uh, vicinity. Uh, I'm going to, you know, we're, we're burning through time here. I, I do want to get through some of these uh, follow-ups from previous shows. We can, we can address some of the new questions at our, uh, at, at PME when we're actually in a room together. Uh, so for now, we're going to, we're going to talk to, uh, to Bill who had, well, he'll tell us. Hey guys, this is Bill from Tokyo. I'm a longtime faithful listener all the way back from single digit episodes. My first time to actually call though. I'm just catching up on a five-week vacation without MacGeekGab, and I'm still a couple of weeks behind, and I just listened to episode 116. I have a comment on Nicholas's font WYSIWYG question from that episode. Nicholas was looking for a selector that would display all of his fonts shown in their font. You provided a couple of products that would help, but you missed something built into OSX that I've just discovered myself. I'm sure you know of this and merely forgot to mention it. <laughs> However, since it took me several years of Mac ownership to actually find it, 
I thought it worthwhile to point out to your other listeners. If you open the font selection window with a splat T, you might notice there's this tiny gray circle at the top center of the window. It's right underneath the word font. If you grab this circle and drag it down, a panel opens above it. And the panel displays the name of the current font shown in that font. As you select different fonts, the panel gets updated so you always see what the current font looks like. Also, if you double-click on the text there in the panel, you can type in whatever you want for your own text and see what that would look like in the various fonts. John was mentioning with one of the other products how this is fairly useful when you want to search out what a particular glyph looks like. Overall, I think the whole thing is a pretty useful facility, although, admittedly, you only get to see one font at a time. It has the advantage of being built in, though, so it's universally available without needing extra software installed. Please keep up the good work. Yours is by far the best tech podcast for Mac geeks. Uh, Arigato. Flattery will get you everywhere. Uh, Ooh, and arigato. That's right. Uh, okay, so yeah, it is there. He's right. He's right. He we just right. forgot. He's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I think one of you had had written in about that before. I, I certainly, when I when I heard his comment, I remembered it, but but it, I I certainly never go to use it. Uh, and it is, it's a it's a nice little facility. But even though it's built in, it's not available everywhere. It's only available in apps that take advantage of of that API from Apple. Uh, most notably, absent from that are all of the Microsoft Office apps. So they they at least in my experience there's no way to get that that font selector up. Uh so you you don't have this option and and that's what the, you know, some of those third-party alternatives are uh, are good for. Any any thoughts on that John before we move on to Michael here? Oh, it's just it's kind of counterintuitive because yeah, I saw that dot there and that dot usually is a hint that you can grow a menu. Now, you know, I saw something else in that font menu and I don't know what it does yet, but it looks like a degree symbol and we'll have to explore that. Yeah, you can set the drop shadow, oh, shadow and figure out where there. it's going to go. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Okay, All right. moving on. Michael writes in last week's show, Travis or Trevor called, I think it was Travis, called in with a problem accessing an external drive after the power was disconnected while it was in use. Although there may be some damage to the file system if it was being written to when the power was disconnected, I don't think this would cause the drive to be unrecognizable by the OS. The most likely problem is that the electronics in the external enclosure may have been damaged. If this is the case, simply moving the drive to another enclosure may allow Tiger to repair the drive and access his data. Uh, yeah, that's certainly possible. It's also possible that the the electronics on the drive itself got fried. I mean, there is power coming across the Firewire bus, right, John? You, you pull that at the wrong time, you know, power's being drawn by the drive, maybe. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, unless it's a surge, I can't imagine that you could damage the electronics by disconnecting something at the wrong time, but who knows? Now, also, you know, I just had another thought that, you know, I mean, if, if we had a situation where it got disconnected inadvertently, there may have been some minor physical trauma oh, uh, yeah. as well, which if a drive is running and it, it you know, experiences too many Gs of uh, force uh, could cause a you know, problem with the platter or the head or something. So, yeah, just another thought, but it sounds like it's on its way out. So, <laughs> yeah, one way or another. That's right. Yeah. Trying it in another case, though. Who knows? Maybe it, uh, you know, breathe a little life back into it one way or another. So thank you, Michael. Matt, we'll take it. 
Hey, John and Dave. It's Matt calling from Uncouth Software. I uh, finally got around to listening to your last uh, podcast. Thank you very much. Excellent. I just wanted to leave a quick comment about resetting the password. I believe if you log in via single user mode and then you use the passwd command, um, because you're logged in as root automatically, you'll be able to reset the password for anyone, including the root user. Uh, thanks much. You can contact me. All right. Uh, yeah, so that'll work, but you need to enable write access to the disk before you can make changes like that. And it is that the command line to do that is always right there. As soon as you log into single user mode, you'll have the command line for F disk and then the command line uh, for enabling the write access on the disk right there, right above, uh, you know, your, your prompt and your, and your root and your root at that point. Oh Uh yeah. Yeah. Because normally you got to go to this, uh, you know, which is so intuitive to me. You got to go to net info manager to normally enable root under normal circumstances. Yeah. No command S will get you root, uh, on any Mac. So, you know, you can do whatever you want. So that's, uh, it's, it's not the most secure thing in the world. So, uh, yeah, that's why physical security is, is you know, we always don't say it. Let your back out of your sight. That's right. I think we're gonna let it ride from here, John. We've got uh, we've got some other stuff to go through, but we've got we'll probably wind up doing a show what Friday, probably Saturday night. I'm I'm thinking at uh, at PME. At or what? At 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 PME. Didn't I say that right? Or is it not oh. PME anymore? Oh, is that is that this weekend? That's this weekend. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You got uh, I got to make a call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you got to be careful. Now, you're flying out of Logan, right? Yeah. <laughs> and our Boston friends will know this. I am I am sorry, Boston, but you are just an embarrassment. That There was this young lady, MIT student, who went into Logan, and she was wearing what she referred to as, I guess, digital art. Um but it was basically one of those, you know, breadboards that you could circuit breadboards or, you know, prototype boards that you can get at Radio Shack. They're white and they have holes for putting components. And, and apparently her name is Star. So she had a little star, you know, and, and a nine volt battery and it was on her sweatshirt. Well, she almost got shot by the cops because they thought it was a bomb. Now, last I checked, I, I don't know. It's just uh, compared to with also they had the Aqua Teen Hunger Force thing. Yeah. Dave, I'm sorry, but Bostonites are terrified of LEDs. I don't I don't know what's wrong with them. Yeah. You, when, you're, was, when you're driving anybody, into the city, they, they make you check them at the border now. All your LEDs. I'm surprised that they can drive in traffic. I mean, all the traffic lights have LEDs now and they're all different colors. <laughs> they're under they're under lock and key now. Those traffic but I got to say, I mean, and now they want to charge her with, you know, a hoax device and stuff. I mean, yeah, if you were carrying... You know, a round ball with a fuse in it or something that looked like dynamite, then I'd say, yeah, you're. But this is any. And I, I'm sure most of our listeners have done some sort of geeky type of circuit work, but this is something where anybody <laughs> who has been through a double E program or, or, or has built any sort of circuit will look at it and say, oh, yeah, that's a prototype board and there are LEDs and a 9 volt battery. Okay, on your way. Uh, actually, I, I, so, I would venture so do to not say bring most any of our LEDs listeners probably today. haven't. So. But there you go. You think so? Yeah. yeah well, yeah. if you haven't, you should, but don't wear it to the airport. That's right. Certainly not Logan. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, now, you know, the 9-11, I, I guess they, they can't get a bit jumpy up there. But Yeah, yeah, that's true. Come on. I mean, it would have taken someone with a, you know, fairly moderate geek factor to look at that and say, it's a circuit board with LEDs. Get on with life. I'm sorry. 
That's right. another mini rant. It's just I don't know. I'm not scared of LEDs. I think they're nice. <laughs> Okay. So the uh, podcast and new media expo is this weekend, September 28th, which is Friday through the 30th, which is Sunday. John and I will be there. Uh, we've got a couple of things that are going on. We will be at the uh, at the Culture Catch party, uh, the Culture Catch salon on uh, on Friday night. I think that's in Ballroom. Yeah. I'm going to say Ballroom A, but if you go to Ballroom A and it's not there, you'll know where it is. It's it's not like this. It's where all the noise is. Bingo. Be. That's right. Von not Ida. noise. No. Tunes, music. Yeah, Von Iva's there, the DJs, there's belly dancers, there's aerial acrobatics. It, it, what the heck else are you gonna do in Ontario, California that night if you don't <laughs> go to this? That's I'm just I'm just gonna put it out there because that's I mean that's how it goes. That's and the truth. Yeah. So check that out. Uh, John and I I said we may do our podcast Friday, probably Saturday night. Um it's also possible we'll be doing something at Ambrosia Software's booth. Uh, we're trying to work out the details. I don't know if it's going to come together or not, but it, it may. And if it does, then... Uh, oh, that nice. Yeah. Something. Those guys rock. They, they make do. some real... I love Snaps, bro. <sighs> Couldn't live without Couldn't it. Couldn't live without it. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds think alike. Uh, yep. uh, so next week, we'll we'll go through some of this. Invariably, it will have a, uh, a, a travel slant, maybe some Mac-related travel tips that we haven't shared in the past. But uh, you folks know how that goes. And then, of course, uh, uh, the following week, I'm actually down in Austin. We've rented some office space for the uh, Backbeat Media sales staff, and we're going to be moving them in. So, uh, wow. yeah, yeah. Growing by leaps and bounds. Growing by leaps and bounds. That's right. Yeah. yeah. One would almost think that you have a, a network of podcasts that the staff could help support. We do. We have a network of sites and podcasts. And uh, you can contact all of that at uh, backbeatmedia.com. So Cashfly Hosting is the place that you downloaded this podcast from. The uh, podcast marketplace this month has the A5 and A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, one free download from Audible, and... PDF Pen Pro and PDF Pen from Smile on my Mac. I guess that's it. That's uh, you got to call. Who am I going to call? Oh, 206-666-GEEK. How could I forget that? 206-666-4335. Yeah. All right. That's it. Let's get out of here. Uh, what do you think? No, we shouldn't get out of here. We should stick around and just kind of hang out and do nothing. Okay. Dance. So John, next- so Logan, you know what? <laughs> Don't get caught. Made up.